Hello and welcome back to First Issue Club, your weekly comic book podcast that took a hell of a break. Man, summer vacation was wild. I'm Mike DeStacy. I'm Greg Lichtai. And you'll notice we're Sans the Budget King, taking a temporary role in First Issue Club moving forward, so he'll be in and out a little bit. He's he's behind the scenes doing, uh, he's like the, uh, the mayor of Oz. He's like behind the, the sheet and his head's very giant. Yeah, he's a backseat driver with a really big head, mm-hmm. giving us all opinions. Right. But not helping make the show. He's writing us very long emails after every episode's published about what we should have talked about and what we did wrong. The worst type of collaborator. Piece of shit. All right, you want to get into it? Let's do it. I mean, we've missed a lot of comic book stuff. There's a couple things that I think we could probably uh, rattle off on, like the battle over Peach Momoko. NYCC 2022. A lot of drama. Hashtag protect Peach. Protect Peach. Exactly right. I feel like... She's one of those people that is too nice yes. for her own good. She loves fans, which is wonderful. Yes. But people in charge of her booth, her wranglers, severely let her down. I'm glad to hear your team peach. I don't know what would happen to this first issue club restart. There would be a riff. Yeah. It'd be like <laughs> we'd have to stop Cap the show and Iron Man. It'd be our own civil <laughs> war here. How can you be anti Peach? I saw it on the internet. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Mm-mm. I saw people who were like, I'll never buy a Peach Momoko cover ever again. For what? She stayed there and did signatures. She was like hiding under a table I've read, um, which oh is God. like this poor person. Why don't you get the folks more details about what happened? Okay. Obviously, Peach Momoko, one of the biggest stars in comic books right now, especially for Marvel heads. Last five years, she has blown up. Yeah, Eisner Award-winning cover artist um, and does her own series that's wildly popular at Marvel now called Demon Days. Mm -hmm. Doesn't do cons very often. And we see why. And it's difficult for you to get a signature of hers because of that. So she comes to NYCC. She's going to do free signatures, $20 remarks, and $50 like quick sketches for people, which mm-hmm. is like unbelievable for an artist of her caliber to charge so low. Right. She wants to give back to the fans, yada, yada. At conventions, vendors and retailers can get priority access to creators so they can get back to their own booth quickly. They're also fans. Mm -hmm. The vendors were grossly taking advantage of how cheap and how many things Peach would sign for free. The generosity was taken advantage of. Exactly right. People were trying to just take as much as they could back to eBay and sell it, sell it, sell it. Um, Peach Momoko's husband was there trying to stave off these... um, Vultures. (laughs) vultures who they were telling go away we're not doing a line yet and they just kept smirking at him and being like this isn't a line and crowding the booth and it eventually got to a point with other fans trying to get in that were boxed out that tensions got really high and we almost had a fight you know a fight at a comic-con is probably the (laughs) just the wussiest thing but i i heard it was like moments away from like a fist fight getting hit with hulk hands or a <laughs> uh, plastic molnir the convention shut it down for a moment just to like be like this is inappropriate we can't have this happening um but eventually uh, they got things back in order and peach signed a ton of comics and did mm-hmm. a lot of remarks for people and um had a lot of great experiences at the con but there's just been a lot of online discourse about heated 
I'm heated just, How she just was hearing you talk about it. Treated by vendors and retailers and people trying to take advantage of the situation and how bad she feels about it. I mean, she's posted on social several times about how awful she feels about the situation, and I don't think she should feel awful about it at all. No, I think I wouldn't blame her if she didn't do cons again for another year. I mean, Chip Zdarsky stopped doing them, not because people were mobbing his booth, but he had other well, reasons, but like. I 100% agree, and she's already said that she's like plans to come back to New York City Comic Con and plans to do other conventions, yada yada. So I'm sure she has a different plan in place of how exactly signatures right. will go. They, I think, they need to figure out with she needs a limit. Yeah, five five books only. Up the price on remarks and sketches so they yep. don't get taken advantage of. Yep. You know, first two sigs are free, and then they're ten bucks a piece. Yeah, even if it's like... I should be your manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could even saying like, hey, if you've got a vendor badge on, yeah, you're just like not getting a remark. Right. I have to see your guest badge mm-hmm. in order for you to get a remark or something. And like, that should be for the fans. You're willing... Uh, you can wait in the fan line with your vendor badge on, but like you can't get the fast pass and then bring 50 books to get remarked. Yeah. That you're taking a... Like, and like, I get that that is, you know... It should have been spelled out differently or, or, or explained differently by the con, by Peach's, you know, management company or whatever. Yeah. And it is unfortunate that this opportunity got taken advantage of. But I wish that someone would have stepped in with NYCC and been like, you know what? We're shutting down for a little bit and we're going to re <laughs> reestablish the rules of Peach's line. All right. So Team Peach. Hashtag protect the Peach. Protect Peach. You're a... Uh... Cherished treasure in, in the comic book world. Yeah. And a workhorse, man. Like, she has covers yeah. on, on almost every book now. <laughs> totally. Like every multiple Marvel book, sometimes. yes. Um, so I'm, I'm glad she came out of it with, uh, you know, some positives and so on and so forth. Okay, I had, like, one other thing. Shoot me. And then, or, I'm sorry. And I think what you've got, it? and I think you've got some other topics yeah. potentially, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really wanted to mention a... Bleeding Cool article um, that was titled DC Cancels Heterosexual Robin Comic After 17 Issues As Sales Fall Flat, which was a direct response to several other articles that were written about Son of Kal-El being canceled after 18 issues right. and blaming his sexuality and w- wokeness mm-hmm. for why the book didn't succeed. Meanwhile, Robin... Gets canceled sooner than Son of Kal-El got canceled. Uh-huh. And I, I believe its sales were um, lower than Son of Kal-El. Sure. And no one's obviously going to write an article blaming <laughs> heterosexuality and anti-wokeness mm-hmm. for this. But Rich Johnston, I think, mm-hmm. um, from Bleeding Cool, wrote wrote this article and had things in it that were like, you know, Josh Williamson pandering to his dwindling straight audience. <laughs> it's, it, I can't. it made me laugh so hard. And I was like, yes, like this, the satire of this just like is it, uh, it's, hits so perfectly. The line is like, it's almost too satirical where people are like, oh, what the hell? Like, were people mad about the article? I don't think people understood that. Got it. Was, it. Yeah, uh-huh. Because it was so thinly laced with satire that, like, you had to understand that it was referencing other articles that were just yeah. like, 
Well, the reason that John King got canceled was because it was gay, and it was like the SJWs rally for this book, but they don't buy it. So, like, they're proof in the pudding that it doesn't matter, and it's just like, I don't know. Well, yeah, it was mostly, obviously tons of blogs did things that were like, DC cancels in all caps, Mm -hmm. gay Superman, which I've got... So many problems with like just that title. Right. The Daily Mail, I don't know if it was like a leak or if they published what went into like putting this article together. Uh And it was like very targeted, very condescending, like apparently Velma's a lesbian too, frowny emoji. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it just had this stink to it that was like, let's come after this group of people and it's like uh, when you when you take the parallels and say same thing is happening with this mm-hmm. comic book that focused around a heterosexual relationship and sidekick yeah. that like no one's blaming who he fucks no on or, sales <laughs> or, or who he's in love with for the sa- like for like the dwindling sales of of that right. comic it's just ridiculous <laughs> it's so stupid this this happened when it was first announced that John Kent was going to be bisexual. It's like people yeah. who don't read comic books or understand what's happening all of a sudden have a comment, and yeah. it makes Fox News, and it's just like, stay the fuck out of it. You don't know what's happening, and it doesn't affect your life. Who gives a shit if Velma is queer now? Yeah. Doesn't affect you. Doesn't change how you go about your life. <laughs> Milk is still $7. <laughs> and it still takes 20 minutes to drive to work. Like, what the fuck is happening? The world keeps turning. Velma likes chicks. Cool. Like, who is killing kids? That's what's important. That's yeah. what these kids need to focus on. Yeah, exactly right. In rant. And rant there. And I just noticed in my notes I had one other thing that I wanted to mention. Oh, my God. But sorry. But have you seen the Disney 100th anniversary covers? Fuck yes. Oh, my gosh. I feel like as a comic book fan, these are the things I'm supposed to hate. Yes. But I love them. But I love them so much. (laughs) I love seeing, like, Bluto redone as, like, the... The Mole Man. From, like, Fantastic Four, number one. It's the right amount of cringe. Yes. And chuggy, and it's just like, (laughs) fuck yeah. Like, my geriatric millennial Uh brain is like, gimme, gimme. There's a Hulk uh, Goofy one that's like, what if Goofy got gamma radiation? Um, (laughs) You look... (laughs) He wouldn't like me when I'm angry. (laughs) And I could just, I like, I know the response in my brain is just supposed to be like fucking commercialization and Disney taking over, like Disney's evil. Mm -hmm. But like, man, it's just like pop art and iconic characters like crossing over into like iconic situations is like sugar for my brain. I love it. It's this weird, subversive Andy Warhol juxtaposition of just like, Let's make it even more sugary. It's like if death metal bands adapted Hello Kitty logos. Those things shouldn't go together, but I I want to see Rotting Christ and like Hello Kitty mashup <laughs> immediately. Well, and there's so much of a culture online with art with people doing like Bart Simpson, mm-hmm. but he's Akira. <laughs> yeah, but he's Akira and he's wearing Adidas gear. You know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> yeah. like all these cross-cultural, cross-medium things mm-hmm. slamming together. Right. And I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. And these are like tickling that same part of my brain. Right. I think. So. It's like, uh, you know, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. You got peanut butter in my chocolate. Yep. 
And now we have Reese's peanut butter cups. I'm buying them. Leave me alone about it. Oh, 100% I'm <laughs> buying them. <laughs> like, was that even a question? And what's great about that? They're not more expensive than a regular comic. They're four bucks. Yeah, those are like B covers. So thank you, Marvel Disney, for not making them 25 mm-hmm. bucks a piece. They make me buy Disney ads for more money. <laughs> right. I already subscribed to Disney Plus, uh, so these should already be mailed to me, but that's fine. Is that all you got? That's all I had. That was uh, Mike's list. Do, I, I, moving forward on the show, do we want to have Mike's topics and Greg's topics? We can. <laughs> some lists may be longer yeah. than others some of the, uh, some of the weeks. Whoever but... goes first is probably going to steal a lot of the uh, That's topics. Fine. You didn't steal any of mine. Wow. Two of mine real quick. Yep. The DCU is imploding. Ezra Miller, like no- like, Oh, the movies. Yes, the okay. movies. Um, like Gal Gadot not coming back to be Wonder Woman. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the I saw Dwayne Johnson did an interview where he said they didn't want Henry Cavill to come back, right? Because they can't afford him and they don't have a plan going forward for what's going to happen. What, what happens to Superman? I mean, like I think Flash and Black Adam are kind of the last uh-huh. death rattles of it, and then they just got to figure out what they're going to do. I, I assume it's well, going to be another Shazam movie coming out. Oh, that's true. I guess so. And, there, there's that. And Black Adam and Shazam can duke it out, and that'll mm-hmm. be a fun, probably trilogy, where or Shazam trilogy anyway, where it like ends with a and third I, movie that's Black. And Black I, Adam I didn't and mind Shazam. Shazam. I thought Shazam was actually kind of a move in the right direction. Yes. As far as tonality. Yes. DC fans complained it was too Marvel of a move, but uh, I'm not going to pick on anybody for liking. The darker, more serious movies. No, or the, we could give or a the, shit. Or the lighter ones. You like what you like. I'm not going to yuck your yum. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was. It, it's just like nice to have a little diversity mm-hmm. in a little brevity. The group. Yeah, I think it's like fun to just have a movie here that's a little sillier, and then have a movie there that's more serious. If any, I mean, there are Marvel movies that I'm like could be grittier. Oh, for sure. I would. It would actually probably would have been nice to be a little grittier. Sure. But um, I mean, they canceled. The Batgirl movie, mm-hmm. um, which sucks because it sounded like it was a good time. And the fact that they have stood behind Ezra Miller for so long yeah. is a little baffling. I mean, he's had countless arrests and accusations of abuse mm-hmm. that I think they're just trying to get the Flash movie out into the world and then cut ties with it. Yeah, I mean, I, there has to be some kind of time travel thing or alternate universe thing coming up to... Do the recast or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I guess there's an Aquaman 2 coming out, right? I have no idea. Who get... Anyway, <laughs> it ain't going great over at uh, Warner Brothers. WWWB somewhere else in about five years. <laughs> and then finally, I want to have a serious talk about Kickstarter for a minute. Sure. I have backed a good amount of Kickstarters. And you pay a little bit of a premium with Kickstarters because you think you're helping the creator. Yeah get their shit done and that's great that's fantastic what i've noticed recently is that most of those kickstarters that i have kickstarted yeah have found their way onto image onto scout onto aftershock and and in, and i could just go buy those for five dollars yeah instead of paying 25 dollars and waiting eight months to get it <laughs> well and a lot of times publishers are doing the kickstarters themselves now they have started bad idea has started to do kickstarters uh-huh. for their stuff and this is the yum I will yuck because I don't like it. I don't like the dupiness of it of just like uh-huh. Kickstarter used to be 
kind of the playground of indie creators of just like, I had this idea. Publishers really aren't sold on it yet, but I still want to make it with my friends. Yeah. And if you believe in me, we'll get it done. Right. And, and we'll get it done and we'll be printed and we'll send it out to you. And, and publishers doing them themselves who have the capacity to take a chance on things when they want. Right. Kind of violates the spirit of Kickstarter. Right. I get that. The biz- the biggest example I can think of right now is Berserker with you know Matt Kent and Keanu Reeves, how that oh. went through Kickstarter first and then yep. went on to boom. And now it's like going to be a TV show or some shit. It's like... What happened here? Why yeah. Why did we need to kickstart this if it was going to be already like a greenlit thing for so many avenues? Yeah. It just seemed like a weird marketing ploy, to be mm-hmm. honest. So and for clarity on that, I've read that Matt Kent didn't have anything to do with that Kickstarter or the campaign of- I'm not yucking Matt Kent's yum. <laughs> I, knew, I know he's a hired gun. Uh-huh. He got called in to help Keanu write the damn thing. Yeah, right. Matt, if you're hearing this, and I know you are because you're a fan- <laughs> You're my good time boy. You're yeah. my sweet cheese. Matt uh-huh. Kent, I see you at every con and we talk. You're a good dude and you always sign my stuff for free. Yeah, and he sketches for free too, which is killer. Yeah, and um, he does this cool thing now with Flux House, which is his new um, imprint. On Dark Horse, right? Uh, uh-huh. Yes. He like fucks up your books. So they're like extra unique. Like he'll take a lighter to them or like <laughs> cut them up. <laughs> That's funny. And it's just like, it's cool because like uh, Flux House is like based upon like a, some like Dadoist like art movement that happened Uh in the 30s and 40s. Right. And he's really embracing that. And so he's like, I'm really going to make my sketches and remarks really lasting. And I was like, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so I I really like that. But Well, and it's it's also an interesting thing to say, hey, the creator destroyed this book in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) imagine being the CGC. What's the grade on it, right? Right. this is something that was intentionally done mm-hmm. to a book mm-hmm. by its creator mm-hmm. as a form of art. And I think one thing you're going to see a lot more of is, you know how, CB- I don't know, I don't think CGC does this yet, but CBCS has an option where instead of a grade, you can just get a label that says art. Oh. And people are like, you have an amazing remark on something from an amazing artist and because it's a 9.4 or a 9.6, like, the value of it is, like, tanked. Sure. And it's, like, the whole point of it is the art. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it gets fucked up a little bit because... I'm trying to preserve the art. So, yeah, someone is, like, making something on it. So, of course, like, yeah. the corners are going to get dinged and it's the cover is going to be lived in a little bit because we're drawing all over it, right? Mm-hmm. The point's not the grade. The point's the art. Um so I, th- I think we'll see more of that in the grading world and as things evolve like this. Which will hopefully set the spec world into a spiral. Because how can you price something that just says art? Yeah. Because they rely on that grade to price things out. You're going to have to think about what the art is worth to you. Mm-hmm. And then subjectivity gets involved, <laughs> and it is fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's all the pithy news hits that I had. It was kind of a slow summer, to be honest. Not a lot of things Good were, summer to take off. were announced. And yeah. I think they knew we were taking the summer off, to be honest. And they're yeah. saving it for... Mm-hmm. Well, First Issue that... Club's not going to be here to hype it. Why even do it at all? Why? Yeah, it's not going to be in the news hit. <laughs> it's not going to make Mike's list or Greg's list. Why even drop news? Okay, so... One thing we wanted to do, mm-hmm. just in, in honor of our return, 
return and first issue club. The prophecy was correct. We heritage. returned. <laughs> was to hit on some of the books that we missed over the break. Yeah. That we would recommend. So we each did a top five. Top five. All did you do all first issues? Um, yes. They had first issues that came out. They're like on issue three and four now, but yeah, while exactly we were gone. Right. I did the same thing. So I've cool. got my top five. You've got your top five. Yes. And we'll just go back and forth. Sure. There, may, there may be crossover. I'm there sure there will be. be. I'm going to start with number five and wing my way up. Sounds good. I, I'm, we've got similar tastes. I'm sure we're going to have uh, the same hits. Okay. Uh, number five for me is a book that recently came out called Rogue's Gallery on Image. Yeah. It's um, already been greenlit to be a TV show. Don Cheadle's production company, I think, optioned it. Very cool. It's a commentary on toxic fandom. Yeah. And how these fans basically are upset about something, dress up as like arch villains of this person's character that they're uh, obsessed with of a TV show or something. Yeah. And they go to like attack her or kill her or or just. They're like home invaders. Yes. They like go to terrorize her in her home. Mm -hmm. And I think the an interesting crux of this is that these toxic fans put her in a place where she's got to like literally live her character live her character (laughs) and like real life like fight for survival Uh against people dressed as her tv show villains right i've only read the first issue of it so far Mm -hmm. but there's so many like beautiful things going on with the commentary it's making and the symbolism of the situation that the characters get put in um, and the, just the different types of fans that, that exist and how people can be bullied or swayed by the friend group that they're in or their culture that they're surrounded by and how much the, the way we talk about things right. influences people. Mm-hmm. So let's have more positivity in the comic book space if this book teaches us anything. yeah, This might be another thing, just like She-Hulk, where people, if this does get turned into a show... People hate, upset about it. hate the show because they see a lot of themselves in it and right. they're the bad guy all of a sudden. <laughs> and and if that's the case and if if you are offended by what's happening in the show, that's an opportunity to, to look at yourself and be like, maybe I'm doing these things and I'm the one who – because it, it really is the commentary of fans inserting themselves so much so into their obsession yep. that they feel like they have ownership of it. Yep. And that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Like it – we as viewers need to just view the art form as a separate thing to enjoy or not enjoy. Yeah. And it's again, not, the idea that you are owed this. Right. And it's not our responsibility to voice ourselves so loudly that it, it's swayed in a way that makes us feel good. Yeah. Because then it's just like it's not it's no longer the thing that uh, you you fell in love with. It's uh-huh. something that you want to control. Yeah. And well, and we're going to get rid of the art in everything. Everyone thinks that their input is needed for fucking everything. Yeah, right. Like, imagine if Leonardo da Vinci lived now, mm-hmm. and like everyone would be like, "Why does Mona Lisa show her teeth a little bit?" <laughs> you know, like Leo, what are you doing? You're gonna go with that color palette for that? Like, can you make it a little bigger? It's awful small. Like, I I love that these shows now and these comic books now uh-huh. have reached the point where it's now commentary of just yeah. like, you're not owed shit. Yeah. And here's why. And it's and it's eloquent and it's it's spelled out so beautifully that it's hard to ignore. Yeah. I'll I'll say about Rogue's Gallery specifically, I love the way it started Mm -hmm. that it was like you saw scenes from the show. From the show, yeah. And so you're like, oh, it's like a traditional superhero comic, and then it flips off to like 
hear people talking about the yeah, show. Yeah, like in like a, a room or something talking about the show and like how it was a stupid point here or like something cool exactly here. right so when i when i imagine this show getting adapted i could definitely see that being like a twist mm-hmm. that you might even go like a full episode or two in the world of the show right before it turn makes that turn and you realize like oh these are actors playing a part yeah. that was a fun format for the first issue and i do want to say kudos to a first time comic writer debut Debut book knocked it out of the park, and, and that was Buk B E W K Buk. <laughs> All right, that, so that was my number five. It was my number two. Oh boy, I had it high up there. Okay, this is going to get spicy. But we might do a. Uh, we might have all the exact same list, <laughs> just like out of order, and that's how you get just, to know us as exactly people. Right. <laughs> all right, my number five is a book called Variants out on Marvel Comics. Oh my god. <laughs> That's my number four. Alright, so we had that one similarly placed. Yeah. Okay, so Variants is Gail Simone and mm-hmm. Noto. Well, powerhouse. Oh, Holy two shit. Two creators that I just absolutely love. Yeah. And this is a Jessica Jones story. Not enough Jessica Jones, in my opinion. Hey, I agree. But it's like a it's like a mystery miniseries. Yep. Where Jessica is meeting different versions of her Mm -hmm. from different multiverses. Yes. uh, And trying to solve that mystery. And if you've read Jessica Jones before, you know she's like a private eye and Mm -hmm. kind of it it has that detective solving the mystery sort of feel. But this is doing it in a bigger Marvel superhero-y sort of way. But it's it's also very small and self-contained. Yeah, I I think one of the things that I really like about it is that it does take the different personalities and aspects of Jessica Jones or the uh-huh. things that we know about her. Yeah. And every different version is like that aspect of Jessica on steroids. Yes. So we've got like the leather jacket Jessica that's a badass. A badass. Punch and, first, ask questions yeah, later. Pissed about everything. And then there's like this Captain America. Captain America super patriotic, like I'm a superhero. Jewel. Uh, Jewel, her like superhero alter ego that like in her universe never uh, encountered the purple man. Mm. So you're like, what would have happened if Jessica wasn't like abused? Yes. That's all I've seen so far. But it was it's cool to see her like not be a team player and then have to be in a team of like all of her. It's like the Marvel (laughs) multiplicity. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a really fun book. And if you're if you like those like PI detective sort of stories and you like the sci-fi superhero bent. This is a little more superhero fantasy palatable yeah. than past Jessica Jones things have been. Like cuz the purple man is still involved somehow. Yeah. She keeps passing out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It's not really a who done it. It's just like a why is all why this is happening? It? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love a good why is it. <laughs> my favorite genre. All right, so we know that's your number four. What's your number three? My number three is Minor Threats on Dark Horse, written by Patton Oswalt and Jordan Blum. Great book. It is so funny. First and foremost, I am a Patton Oswalt chill. Yeah. Uh, everything that guy puts out, I'm a big fan of. This doesn't let it get a pass or anything. Uh-huh. It's a great book. Yeah, it I really like enjoyed it. Superhero criminals and like their daily lives and just like, they try to form a team, and like it's 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 very funny. It's very pithy. There's good commentary, like Rogue Gallery, mm-hmm. and Patton, as probably a lot of you know who are listening, 
huge comic book fan. Yeah. And so whenever he gets a chance to write a comic book, I always pick it up because it's kind of like when Donny Cates did crossover. It's like kind of like a weird love letter. Yeah. Here's why I loved comics. Yep. And like, here's what I wanted to see when I was reading comics. So, totally. Uh, that's my number three. And it's three because of Patton. <laughs> it, it was on my honorable mentions list. Oh, yeah. Didn't, okay. Didn't make my top five. Interesting. So yes. not as much overlap as I thought. Yeah. So you're number three. My number three is a book called Sacrament on AWA. Oh. Have you read this? No. Yeah. It's a Peter Milligan book. Peter. <laughs> also Irish, I believe. I think so. I don't know. Is he? He did Scarethood. I... No, that's not That's not Peter Milligan. Mm-mm. Anyway, Peter Milligan. I love him most from Ecstatics. Oh, that's right. God damn it. What X-Force at one point turned, turned into. into it was like super punk rock with Mike Allred. Mom, yeah. And uh, really great series. They've got like a part two. Mm-hmm. Happening right now? Is it still I, going? I, it might have just finished. It was a mini. Because I think it was like a six issue mini. Um, okay, so in this book, it's set way in the future. Humanity's abandoned Earth in like the year 3000 or something, right? It's like that far out in the future. Okay. And it exists in a world wherein... Religion is outlawed and only exists on the fringes of culture. Mm -hmm. So the good old days. There's this guy who's like a renegade priest, (laughs) and he's caught and arrested. Uh But instead of being taken to like a prison camp that he thinks he's going to go to, Uh he's taken to these like political offices, and they're like, "We need you to look into what could potentially be a demonic possession." Go on. So now we're like leaning into the world where like. Okay, all these people who outlawed religion are starting to see unexplainable things, mm-hmm. and they're wanting this priest to check it out, invest them, check it out, because he's got this like mythos surrounding him about having done actual exorcisms and all these mm-hmm. things. But he's also a character who's battling with his faith. Um, we've talked about this before, like being raised Catholic. Right. I think we're really into some of these like religious fantasy sci-fi sort of books and mm-hmm. I always love possession horror stuff and maybe part of the reason this book is so high for me right now is just that we're in mid-October <laughs> the spooky season <laughs> and like I'm like digging like the fantasy horror stuff right now mm-hmm. a lot I just love 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 the first issue and that's another one where I haven't had a chance to read the second yet but the first one was so strong it's it's my number three so set in the year 3000 or at least humanity abandoned Earth in the year 3000. Is it dystopian? Humanity okay. flourishing. Okay, so I'm assuming technology has taken a leap since it's like a thousand years in the future from where we are. Like Star Wars, Star Trek level. Okay. Meta is thriving right now. Zuckerberg's in his second <laughs> cyborg transformation. Uh-huh. Um, so that is interesting because like, even the sci-fi stuff that we see now you brought up Star Wars or Star Trek. There is never really that religious tone to it because mm-hmm. all of the storytelling is just like society has outgrown religion. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, the the story is to progress in technology, like humanity had to shed that skin of like an all-knowing being watching us and that, that like held us back. And once we shed that off of us, like boom. We have, like, cars that can fly or some shit. <laughs> what was it again? Sacrament? Sacrament. On AWA? On AWA, yep. Is it an AWA upshot or is it just AWA? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue what upshot Those is. Those imprints will get you. The impr- it's, yeah. 
Upshot is an imprint, but for a while, every book was Upshot. Yeah. I don't know what it means. Yeah, neither do I. Is that like it's like jettisoned for uh, TV? <laughs> Good it's on the Upshot. <laughs> okay, so number five was what for you? Num- my number five? Yeah. I'll just go through my list again real quick. It was, oh shit. You didn't do number five. My my number five was Variants. Okay, yeah. Did you do number four? I skipped my number four. I knew we, we missed did something. Because we did your number four. Well, Sacrament was my number three. What was your number four? Do you want to do a turn and then come back to me, or do you want me to just No, because we'll four? be off. We'll be off. Okay. Shit, sorry. You're, no, that's fine. Uh, my number four is an image book mm-hmm. called Love Everlasting. Ah, Tom King. By Tom King. And the illustrator I love, Elsa Charrier or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't, yeah. She's French. I don't know totally how to pronounce her last name. It's okay. But- fabulous style i really wanted to recommend this book on the show because from the covers it's obviously like marketed as like a romance comic Mm -hmm. it's got that vintage anthology style romance comic vibe and feel to it especially in the first issue where you get like a couple romance stories but over the course of the first issue you begin to realize that something is amiss, mm-hmm. that we've got a singular character carried through all these romance stories that transcend different times, and she realizes she's trapped in this cycle yeah, she's like of stuck different in it. romance stories. Yeah. And so she's trying to like figure out why she's stuck in these or break the cycle of it. And I, I believe this is an ongoing series, and the plan is to like go quite a while. I think so. It's so far, the first few issues have been very cool, and I love the sci-fi element of it, trying to put together the mystery yourself. Um, I I just worry that people are skipping this comic, and I'm not going to get as many issues of it as I want, <laughs> because people think it's like a hokey romance comic. Yeah. But I, I also think, too, that there's going to be some interesting um, commentary in it, too, about being like addicted to love or... Might as well face it. You're or, addicted to love, or like, or like being stuck in a relationship, or mm-hmm. um, needing needing to get out of a relationship. I just see room there for like yeah. a statement to be made. Do we know why she's stuck in there? We're figuring no. out with her, right? Yeah, we're figuring out with her. That's what I remembered. Okay, yeah. that that made my honorable mentions as well. I mean, yeah. Image right now they're celebrating their like 35th anniversary of being a publisher. Uh-huh. Fucking pulling out atom bombs. <laughs> of new series. Yeah, the new series this year are great. They are just like unloading mm-hmm. good work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Love Everlasting, very good book. To Mike's chagrin, everyone, please go pick up this book. Mm-hmm. Go read it so it goes to more issues. Yes. The cover is misleading, <laughs> but the content is there, baby. The content is there. And content is king. It's key. Oh, written king. By, written by Tom King. <laughs> God damn it. I fucked that up for you. That was a perfect segue. <laughs> you blew it. Uh, okay, so mine. Variance, number five. Love Everlasting, number four. Sacrament, number three. We need your number three now. My number three was Minor Threats. Your my number three was Minor Threats. My number four was Variance. My number five was Rogue Gallery. Okay. Man, are we good at lists or what? We're kings at lists. <laughs> Tom Kings. Love Everlasting. Wow. Go pick it up. Amazing. At your local comic book shop. <laughs> My number two Let's hear it. is from the rough and rowdy boys of comic books, Donny Cates and Stegman, vanish out on Image Comics. It's a 90s kid's wet dream. 
<laughs> Kids love chains, and Greg loves Vanish. Uh, this uh, really hit me in the nostalgia, and it was supposed to. Yeah. But I got worried when I read the first few pages that it was just going to follow the spawn tropes and be kind of like two on the nose. Mm-hmm. Nope. Flipped it. It took what you thought it was going to be of like following this like washed up superhero and like, you know, follow the singular journey. And it, it kind of blossoms and explodes into this whole other story of like vengeance and revenge. And like, yeah. it, it kind of reminded me of like old samurai movies of mm-hmm. like hunting down this like otherworldly team of villains who each have their own special ability or attribute and like distinct look about them that like really like got me revved up of just like I want to know each of these villains individually I want to know what's on their playlist I want to know like where they (laughs) shop online like there's so much like rich character development already and we were just introduced to them if this book had come out in 1999 it would have sold five million copies. <laughs> Easy. In Kate's we trust. In Kate's we trust. In Stegman we believe. <laughs> exactly right. Can't go wrong. Those guys are great. Two Kings. Tom King. Love Everlasting at your local comic book shop now. <laughs> All right. We already covered my number two because you hit it early on with Rogue's Gallery. Mm-hmm. So I'm on to my number one. Do it. My number one comic is Promethe 1313. Wow. Do you know anything about this book? Have you read it? No. This is out on a blaze. Uh, it's by Andy Diggle mm-hmm. with Sean Martinborough, mm-hmm. who both worked on Thief of Thieves. You know, like when Kirkman- Oh, yes. Um, I know Thief of Thieves. Stepped away from Thief of Thieves, and like every trade since then has been a different creative team. Mm-hmm. This was one of the creative teams that um, did Thief of Thieves. Okay, Kind so, of a sleeper hit for Image. It, it is. It went for like 50 issues- yeah. And it is fucking and people don't good. talk about it that it much. It is very fucking good. But I think a show's been in production for a while now. It's so easy. So, it would be so easy to make that into yeah, a television show. a great show. show. If you haven't, Thief of Thieves is my number one. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> You're pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. We're adding 10 years. Thief of Thieves. <laughs> it is so good. Go find it in trade or whatever. It's so good. All right. So maybe that speaks to how good this book is going to be because we've got a creative team that worked on that. But um, this book is actually a spinoff to a European comic that I've never read. Promethe 1312. It's just Promethe. <laughs> End of story. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> no time code after it. Um, but that book is, uh, I've, I've since obviously like looked it up on the internet to see what the deal is. And that book's um, supposed to be fantastic. Wow. Um, I've never heard of either of these books. Yeah. That's why I was like so shocked. I was like. This came out of left field. I was expecting <laughs> something completely different, but go ahead. So uh, I'll say, obviously, since it's a prequel, I don't think you need to have read Promethe at all because I didn't. And oh, it, yeah. And it's like one of my favorite books of the summer. And I'll just give you the synopsis of it um, without spoiling anything I've read about Promethe. Okay. But it, it follows this woman who was famously abducted by aliens as a child. And ever since... She's had visions of the apocalypse. Oh, great. She eventually comes out and says, like, hey, none of this stuff's real. Like, my my parents pressured me into this, and I've had issues that I'm taking medication for. 
and I'm not having visions anymore. Like you shouldn't come to me as some sort of leader or prophet for huh. for this yeah. and like alien culture or whatever. And there's a cult that that doesn't sit well with <laughs> naturally. And, and they kidnap her and take her off of her meds so they'll have an edge when the apocalypse comes. <laughs> so they're like using her as like a secret weapon of like knowing more about the apocalypse. We'll know more about the apocalypse because we have this woman who we consider to be our prophet. Yeah. And right now we don't really know if any of this stuff really happened. Like she says she doesn't believe this stuff actually happened to her or was real, but just that ideas were put into her head. How many issues is it already? Two or three issues in. Is it a mini or a maxi or is it ongoing? It's a mini because at really soon here we're going to get to Promethe. Okay. And I think this book is only set like a month or so before the events of like okay. the, so Prometheus the 20 what happens... story occurs. Oh, right. Okay. Written by a completely different creative team, but was like a really popular book. Did you say that like Prometheus was like a European it's comic? It's a European comic. It was a, a publisher I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. And I tried to find it online to buy it. Mm-hmm. And I just like, is it, uh, I just uh, wasn't finding it. No way. So I need to dig a little deeper, but it wasn't. Immediately available. I like, have enough rubles to my, my normal channels that I purchase these. Sort <laughs> it's of not on Comicology on. or anything. It might be, but you know, I hate getting just digital comics. Yeah, I like to hold the book. You hate the ones and zeros. You don't <laughs> want to get any malware, especially with like I. I think like read a book however you want, and I have a Kindle, and Greg. I like doing that. And I think it's just as well to say you read a book if you have an audio book. It's all consuming information. Mm-hmm. Do, Whoa, it how, do, do it however you want. Yeah. But something that's like art and visual, I just like the tactile experience of paper and soaking that in and yeah. it not being on like a screen. Yeah, same. I like my big useless piece of paper too. <laughs> I'm, I'm not shaming you. I'm the same way. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get a, a trade of that. But the prequel, very good. I kind of want to check it out now. It yeah. sounds amazing. The concept is great. Yeah. Cool. All right. My number one. Um is from Image Comics by Daniel Warren Johnson called Do a Powerbomb. Mm-hmm. Have you read it or know anything about it? I've read the first issue. Here's the thing with Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah. The guy is a huge metalhead. Uh-huh. He plays guitar very, very well. And all of the books that he writes, you think you're getting one thing. Oh, like there's w- so much heart in his Like books. with Murder Falcon yeah. and uh, his Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Mm-hmm. And with this book, Do a Powerbomb, you think you're getting one thing. For instance, do a power bomb. You think you're gonna get a straightforward wrestling story, and then it fucking levels you yeah, with an emotional tragic. take mm-hmm. that just like cripples you for like two days. Yeah, and he does it so so well. That was one when I was reading that in like my stack of comics. Like that was one where I was like, well, I gotta take a break. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like it, it, it's not like a Hallmark movie where it's just like it's too sad or like yeah. it's too like. Uh, emotional for its own good. Lifetime like, movie. Yes. It's it's Hallmark real. movies are a different kind of movie. <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's just like just Christmas romance movies. <laughs> That's all they do. Which I would love to see from Daniel Warren Johnson. Oh, completely, yes. <laughs> um but it's 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 timeless and it's a classic thing that it emotionally connects with anyone who reads it. Yeah. Because everyone has experienced loss and tragedy and like he cover he likes to really highlight like the underdogs mm-hmm. or the ki- the people on the skids that are just like, if I had my chance, 
I know I can fucking do this. Yep. And it, it's so good. I always connect with this book. And this book is about this girl who essentially takes on the moniker of her mom, mm-hmm. who was a wrestler who passed away. And you think she's just going to like be an amateur wrestler, and we follow her through her journey through the ranks of amateur wrestling. But it flips mid-first issue where this like deity comes, uh, a necromancer, where she gets to wrestle like in hell to bring her mom back. <laughs> and from there, it's just batshit crazy. Because not only is Daniel writing it, he's also drawing it. Mm-hmm. And he's a phenomenal illustrator. And it is, I, I can imagine he's just grinning while he's drawing this the entire time because yeah. there are some visuals in here that are bananas, pun intended. <laughs> well, First Issue Club, if you've missed our recommendations, there's, what, not exactly 10 because we overlap some. but around, a good eight. Around eight solid comics uh, there to check out if you missed them. Yeah. Um, especially if you've... Uh, Do you have your uh, honorable mentions up? Yeah, I do. I have a couple honorable mentions. All right. My honorable mentions were, uh, just not mentioning the ones that you already covered. Oh, thank you. Were Ant-Man, Al Ewing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's got that like Ford issue mini Mm -hmm. that is fantastic. Dark Space is Wildfire. It's a Scott Snyder comic. So that just got greenlit for a TV show as well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I 100% could see that being a show. Yeah. It is, the first issue is fantastic. (laughs) Um. Seven Sons is a Okay, so that book from the covers very spooky looking. Yeah. That's a that it's another like religious horror mm-hmm. kind of scary sci-fi book. Yeah. Um and then The Closet by James Tinian was my Oh, and that was one of his Substack last one. Uh Was it really? Yeah, it's one of his Substack comics I didn't that realize was that. exclusive and it is now on a publisher. On Image. Yeah. It's like that's only like 3 issues. I think yeah, that's uh, they've only been like three issues. Out. So it's not it's not a long involvement. Uh, oh, like three issues, period, and then the, it's over. Mm-hmm. That can't be true. Yeah, it's a mini, mini, mini. <laughs> that's really short. Yeah. Oh, okay. Honestly, sometimes that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> three is enough. Uh, some of my honorable mentions. I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, first of all, R.I.P. Once in Future, the series on. Oh Image. yeah. Last issue. Last issue came out with number thirty. Perfect. Mm-hmm. It was great. I had a great time with it. Um, Earth Divers, Kaya, Dark Ride, Briar, The Roadie, Crashing, Quest Aside, and Heart Eyes. Go check those books out. They just came out in the last couple months. They're on the one first, second issue. They're all light and fun. Mm-hmm. Great art. They're all mostly on image, a couple on vault. Some of those books just came in my monthly shipment yesterday. Yeah. So they, you know, may have been on my list too had I gotten to them yet. So I'm excited to read those. Support the indie. I've heard guys. a lot of good things about Briar, so I'm excited to read that. It is that. gorgeous. Nice, cool. It is so cool. And then Hard Eyes is written by Dennis Hopeless, local boy. Oh, great! Yeah, I love and Dennis Hopeless. His his run on Spider Woman is one of like my favorite Spider uh, family runs. It's amazing. Ever. It's the one where she's like pregnant. Yeah, she gets right? pregnant. In it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hard Eyes, super fucking fun. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, Kaya's cool like I'm telling you most of these books I mentioned were on image mm-hmm. because they're just bringing out the big guns yep home run they're Aaron yeah, judging this <laughs> just home run after home run after home run after home run alright well we're glad to be back yep. we'll be back again next week probably on First Issue Club bye First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy and Greg Lichtig 
Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash First Issue Club.